Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Asset Allocation Weekly Report dated June 25th, 2021. I'm Phil Adler. Sometimes economic reports that the general public might be unfamiliar with contain trend-revealing data that financial managers can use to increase value for investors. Confluence Investment Management Chief Market Strategist Bill O'Grady joins us today to discuss fresh data on national savings, income, and housing contained in the Federal Reserve's Flow of Funds report. Bill, what is this report exactly? Well, that's a really good question. And unlike most of our other podcasts and, and writing, this one really isn't going to have a common theme. And that's really based on the data. It's really a mix of my favorite charts from the official name, which is called the Financial Accounts of the United States, but has traditionally been known as the flow of funds data. The data set is incredibly rich, and it gives an analyst lots of information. Now, you're highlighting in particular three charts found in this report. The first measures net saving for the economy divided by economic sector, business, government, foreign, and households. We see, first of all, that net savings for the government sector is well into negative territory. Does this reflect deficit spending to boost households during the pandemic? Precisely. The, The government has transferred historic levels of funds to households. And savings by households are strongly positive. Does this mean that a sizable portion of households didn't need this government support and simply funneled it into savings and investment accounts? Well, not necessarily. Uh, I suspect much of this is timing. The flows were so large that households haven't yet figured out what to do with all the money. How these funds get spent will determine how the economy and markets behave probably for the next few years. That's why we focus on income distribution. Where the money sits will likely determine how it gets spent. There are worries that this bulge of funds will lead to higher inflation, which has boosted inflation hedges. However, it's not obvious it will lead to sustained inflation itself. Bill, would you say this confirms trends you've already identified and have already built into confluence asset allocation models? Well, it does, although we still don't know for sure exactly where these funds will land. So there is a premium put on remaining flexible. Now, what about savings in the other two sectors, foreign and business savings? What do they tell us? Well, these are really important, too. Foreign saving is the inverse of the current account deficit. In other words, when we run a trade deficit, it really means that we're importing foreign saving. Business saving is related to investment. When business saving is positive, it usually leads to lower investment. As far as foreign savings, does this imply that we continue to import goods at a pretty consistent pace, even through the pandemic? Yes. It also shows that since 1980, we have mostly seen foreign saving inflows. That is due in part to the world's demand for dollars. Foreign nations will do whatever it takes to run a trade surplus with the U.S. to acquire dollars. What do you see ahead as far as foreign savings and trade? Well, I do expect it to remain positive, although a weaker dollar down the road may lead to some reduction in inflows. The chart shows business saving has turned negative, which you say often means that businesses are getting ready to invest and expand. 
Should this be a boost for consumer confidence? It's a very positive sign for the economy. How might it be affected by the labor situation? Might businesses delay expanding and investing because of concerns over available labor? Or might some of this business investment materialize in higher wages? It's quite possible. Just the opposite might occur. As businesses struggle to find workers in a low interest rate environment, they may simply opt to automate further in order to replace labor. Let's move on to the second chart you found of particular interest in the Fed's flow of funds report. This one shows the shares of national income by capital and labor as a percent of national income. Now, how have these two, capital and labor, been behaving in relation to each other? Well, the most interesting narrative in this chart is that during the Cold War, business and government tended to support the labor share. But after 1990, the trend in capital income has risen and the labor share has declined through each business cycle. What does this behavior tell us? It looks to us that when the U.S. was competing with the Soviet Union, with communism, there was an incentive to support labor to prove that capitalism was good for workers. After the Berlin Wall fell, capitalists were less concerned with worker welfare. Bill, you write that at some point this trend might reverse because it's not politically stable. Why not? Capital will always represent a minority in a voting country. It can't expand its share without political ramifications. We view this chart as an explanation for the recent rise in populism. The final chart may interest anybody who holds a mortgage or wants to hold one. It measures home mortgages as a percentage of owner-occupied real estate. Now, with housing prices skyrocketing, I imagine that this percentage must be going down, is it? Well, that's certainly part of it. But another factor is is that lending standards have improved. That was the problem during the housing boom in the aughts. Even with rising home prices, home equity wasn't improving. Weak lending standards and the tendency to pull equity from one's home meant that leverage was excessive during that period. Can you make a prediction based on the chart as to when home prices might level off? Well, in our opinion, the key to home prices leveling off is increased building activity. Demographics and low housing leverage will support purchasing. What the market needs now is more supply. What does this chart imply about the future of the housing sector? Well, along with other items we measure, it's long-term bullish. As we wrap up, Phil, one thing I did want to mention, because of the July 4th holiday, we will not be doing a podcast next week. It will resume toward the middle of July. We want to wish everybody a happy and healthy Independence Day. And Phil, I'll let you wrap up. Okay. Thank you, Bill. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Adler. 